Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode, a very special episode, actually, CMO Moves. I am one of your hosts, Eric Toda. I'm the global head of social marketing at Facebook, and I am joined by my friend, So Young, who I've been following your career, I would say, probably for the past few years, as I've looked to see where I go in my career who should I look for? Who, who's been doing it for the, a long time that I can learn from? And so it is a, a tremendous honor to be here with you virtually as we close out APHM month. Having you on and having us talk, I think, is a tremendous honor and something that I, I've been looking forward to for, for the past couple of months. So thank you again for being here. Oh, Eric, that's, those are such kind words. Thank you so much. I, I think likewise, I, I couldn't be more honored to be here talking to you, um, somebody who have I've been like tracking and admiring for quite some time too. <laughs> so this is like a mutual love fest. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I'm glad Adweek was gracious enough to bring us together. I would love to welcome you onto the show and just ask you, tell me about yourself uh, and about your current role and yeah, why you decided to take that on. So 
for everyone. I'm So Young Kang. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at EOS Products. We are a personal care company that is most famous for our um, lip balm that many years ago was the original broke the internet kind of product. And I joined EOS three years ago as the first ever CMO at the company. The company has been around actually for, at this point now, I think it's been around for 12 years. It's kind of amazing that they didn't have a CMO before, but really it has been a brand and an organization that I've just admired from afar. Prior to my current role, I um, spent a decade at Bath and Body Works. And while I was at Bath and Body Works, I, I was like oftentimes looking at other indie brands that were just like doing like really kind of innovative out of the box things. And EOS was constantly popping up on my radar um, as a brand that was doing something not like the way anyone else in the same category was doing it. And that was always kind of amazing to me that like to, to be, to be a startup company that just completely, you know, went left when everybody else is going right. Today, I think there are a lot of companies that are like the disruptor of X, Y, or Z. But if you think back to like 12 years ago, that wasn't really the norm. And so it took a, a lot of innovation and bravery for this organization to enter into the world and just be like, you know what? We're just going to do it our way. And then, and it was like this unbelievable success. So I felt really honored when they asked me to come in as their first ever CMO, just really feeling excited, not only to tap into the heritage and the history, but also to take it to the next phase of growth, which it was time for that next phase of stratospheric growth. First CMO for them. Yeah. So you're, you're really there setting the bar. You're setting expectations. What I love about that is that you're not just the first CMO for them but rather what you signal again to the larger community, our community as a whole is going into an executive position that at least in my family, wasn't the optimal choice going into marketing. When you think about not just being the first CMO, but really a CMO in, in for a community that chooses pretty safe or traditional industries like medicine, uh, law, accounting, why did you choose the path to become a CMO when obviously, and again, I, I, I don't know what your parents were like, but my parents, my immigrant mother was like, no, Eric, you're going to be an optometrist at the end. <laughs> you know? um, so I would just love to know from you, obviously being the first CMO for EOS, fantastic. And I love that. But what led you to that ultimate path to become a CMO? It's funny because I, I, I think about this a lot. How did I end up where I am today? And I sometimes I think that like I didn't choose the path, but like the path chose me mm-hmm. because my path here hasn't been, it hasn't been a straight line. It hasn't been straightforward. And I think there's a lot to learn from that, not only for myself and, and thinking about where can my career go even from here, but hopefully as a, just some words of advice for, for other folks who are thinking about how they're plotting out their career. Sometimes things happen that you, that you wouldn't have expected. And there are times when you get a lucky break, sometimes when you get an unlucky break and you have to, you know, regroup a little bit, but that's okay. Cause at the end of the day, your career isn't just a straight line for me to be. It's mm-hmm. a series of like bouncing from things. To, I think of it more as like, um, maybe it's like more like a pinball game where you're sort of like bouncing oh, yeah, 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 from yeah. thing to thing. And then you're eventually going to find your way to the, to the end uh, result. And I think that that's okay. So for me, like you, I grew up in an immigrant household where there were mm-hmm. two choices, doctor or lawyer. Yep. And yep. I didn't, I, I, I chose none of the above, right? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I also grew up just loving culture and loving like creativity. And yes, I, I also have a really sort of analytical and quantitative side to my brain, but that was only half of 
who I felt I was when I was a young child. I did art class and like math camp. And I love doing both of those things. And so I've always really embraced looking at opportunities to have that whole brain thinking, the left brain and the right brain. And when I went to college, I I decided that I, where I was going to find that is through architecture, weirdly. So I, I actually got my undergraduate degree in architecture, nothing to do with marketing or business or anything like that. And I thought that that would be my career path. I wanted to be somebody who like designed fabulous things, but also knew the engineering of like how it all came together. Mm. And then like life happened. I got a job offer to do something completely different. I ended up in after college in a career path that was actually management consulting for all different kinds of companies from pharma to telecom to in some cases like consumer products and retail. And then somehow ended up at Limited Brands, which is the parent company to Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works. Spent like 15 years of my career there and became a brand person. And I think back now, like it all makes sense in hindsight. Like anybody can make a story. If I was doing like the documentary of my life, I could make a story about how I ended up where I am. But at the time I had no idea what was coming next. Now I can look back in retrospect and say, you know what, all the things that I ever chose to do were a combination of creative and analytical and strategic. They were, they were really about kind of scratching that itch of wanting left brain, right brain thinking. But I couldn't have said that to you at the time. At the time it was about moving from the, like one step in front of the other. And it's okay to think of your career that way. I just want to give people like the confidence to know that even if the next step doesn't look like it's what you would have anticipated, sometimes it does take a few, like one step at a time in order to build ultimately what is the career path that people can look at over many years and think it makes sense at the end, but at the time it doesn't actually make sense. No, I love, no, I love that so much. And I love that so much because I think as people listen to this, a lot of people who listen to this are just starting out in their careers. Many of them, like you and me, have seen their careers at least not go as linear as they Mm -hmm. want it to be. And so to hear, you know, from you is, yes, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess when you're in it. You don't really know where you're going for, but it sounds like you're always guided by this North Star of the intersectionality between creative and analytical. So not just how do you harness your imagination and creativity, but also how do you measure it and how do you justify it with objective feedback? I think that's such an important thing to know because yes, you're absolutely right. Careers are not linear. Sometimes you take a step back. Sometimes you take a step forward. Sometimes you happen to be a part of like the spaghetti factory type of line, Uh but as long as you're guided by what you believe is the right thing in your gut to do, and it sounds like you always have been, it'll lead you. It'll lead you to a place where when you look back, you're like, of course, of course that was the route, you know? Yeah. I think that's a great way to, to, to frame it. Those elements really were my North star. The other thing that I would, I would say about that is that then there, there have been in the times when I've been the happiest, including right now in my career, there's always been an element of continuing to grow and develop and learn. I don't think that just because I or any other person has a C in front of their title that they're done learning. If anything, they're frankly more obligated to learn more because they're guiding other people and helping to learn and uh, and develop other people. And so that would probably be my other, if I were to to articulate another aspect of my North Star, it's been like always learning, always being on the steep, scary part of the learning curve Mm -hmm. and always growing as a leader, as a marketer, and just as a person. I love that so much. I, I think that's such a one. I mean, it's a good reminder, right? I think I'm somewhere in, not close to the beginning of my career, but also not 
even near the end of my, I'm somewhere in the middle. And I think being able to hear that from someone obviously that I admire in the industry allows me to see, okay, I don't always need to be comparing myself to the next market or next market after that. I think as long as I continue to learn, as long as I continue to seek experiences that allow me to, to build skill sets, that allow me to you know, get uncomfortable, then I, at least I know I'm progressing. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and so I, I really appreciate that. And one thing that you said just a minute ago that struck out to me is that this is the happiest you've ever been. Tell me about that. Why is right now in your career, the happiest you've ever been? I, I really think that like when you're earlier in your career, you think about getting to a position where you have the title that you're seeking to have. And that's an endpoint. And it took me getting here to realize that I'm in the middle too, Eric, like we're all in the middle, right? And there's something really like joyful about that, that there's still sure. so much for me to learn and still so much for me to experience. And I feel really unbelievably grateful and fortunate at this, to be at this stage of my career, literally in, in terms of like years, at this many years into my career and recognize how much more is ahead of me. And the fact that I continue to learn every day in this current job that I'm in, I do think that that's part of what I love about marketing, to be totally honest. Yeah. I love that marketing inherently is always evolving, changing. If you're a good marketer, you're always mm. learning and you're always trying to solve a puzzle. And there's something so incredibly rewarding about this industry, because if you really lean into that, you'll never get bored in your career. I love what I'm doing right now. And I also happen to love doing it at a company like EOS. I just, I love my team. I love the, what we're building together. I love being part of a smaller, leaner, more nimble and entrepreneurial environment. It really suits who I am. And the, the, the fact that I'm able to take some of the things I learned at like other bigger blue chip brands and bring them mm -hmm. into a smaller organization, but then have that sort of like personal touch and relationship with like more of my team. I, I love that. And I love the fact that being here where I am now and where I am in my career, that I can also bring my whole self to work. Yeah. I, I, I know you feel me on that one because while the past year plus has been difficult for many groups, and in particular, I'll speak on behalf of, of our group, the, the Asian community, there's also been something unbelievably rewarding and fulfilling and meaningful for me to be able to speak about my experiences as a person and about mm -hmm. my history as a person mm -hmm. in a way that I would not have done before. And there's a different level of satisfaction, even in the days when I'm bone tired, because I've been in meeting work, work meetings all day long, and then doing other things at night for this, what's become a part of my day to day in terms of looking, researching, educating myself, looking for opportunities to participate in support, supporting people like you in your initiatives by being in the audience or whatever I can do to help a community that, that has needed that help more than ever in the past year plus. I do find it's a different level of just satisfaction that I find sure. yeah. where I am in my career right now. And I think for those of you who don't know what Sue Young is doing outside of her job, her day to day, you are one of the, the louder active voices for the Asian American community as we are still actively under attack. And you have spoken out. I've been on a couple panels with you and the common denominator that I find between you and other tremendous leaders speaking out right now is that 
you are speaking your own truth. You're speaking your own through your own experiences, but also you're lending a level of optimism that we can get that we can get through this yeah. um, together through education, through empathy. And to be quite honest with you, you look across the industry today or the marketing and advertising industry, there are not a lot of people that look like you specifically so young. And for you to be able to stand up and speak up like this, I think awakens a lot of people, but also it inspires a lot of people like myself um, and like people younger than me to say, I want to do that. I don't just want it to be an amazing award-winning CMO and have the title, but also use that to make change and use that to break stereotypes. Because again, I think if I look at you and I look at the beacon of light that you are, you break every stereotype of an Asian American woman that society has placed upon you. You are incredibly, incredibly successful at a C-suite level. Uh, you are outspoken, rightfully so, but you have a point of view that seeks to break those ceilings that, that are placed upon us. And so I, I think as you talk about your journey and as you talk about how you got to where you are, obviously it wasn't just you, but I would love to know everybody has their origin story and everybody has like the, the people that helped them along the way. I'd love to hear from you who or what helped you along the way for you to develop this voice, for you to develop such an incredible leadership quality, not just for the marketing advertising industry, but for many people that look like you. First of all, thank you so so much for, for those kind words. And as somebody who I know is a true voice and leader in this community, it, it means so much coming from you. To be totally honest, in some ways, I, I, I think this is not an uncommon thing among leaders within the AAPI community, but I haven't spoken about what it means to, to be an Asian person. I think I spent way too many years trying to not be noticed for being Asian that I had adapted my entire like orientation as a person was, was about that. It was, and, and so it is actually, it, it's a different thing to make yourself vulnerable and to open up and start speaking about what it was like to grow up as a child and, and be different. And the times that you've been harassed or name called or, or had awful incidents throughout your life, it's a very different thing to speak about those types of things as we have in the past year. But the thing is, is that what I've realized in the last year is that the more I bring my whole self to the workplace or the industry, the more that it, it helps other people open up. And that's actually come back to, to, to actually be echoed back to me that, that people have said, wow, I didn't realize you went through that. Let me share some things with you about things I've been through, whether they're Asian or other groups as well. That has actually been a, a profound realization for me at this stage in my career to realize that it's not just about speaking up to speak up, but it's speaking up to create a more open dialogue within our industry, within my workplace, and that has made it that much more rewarding. What I would say is that if I take your question about who's influenced me along the way, there are many things that have influenced me throughout my career that, that aren't related to specifically being a member of the AAPI community and some things that maybe influenced me in a not positive way in terms of encouraging me to assimilate or shut, shut down parts sure, of myself. Yeah. The, the thing that I've actually gotten the most amount of, frankly, personal development and growth out of has been my peer group. People like you, people, people who are other leaders within our community um, and within our industry who have been speaking out and um, speaking up. And then on top of that, who have just become like my own personal network of support, who I 
I reach out to if I have questions, uh, not only about like my work content, but how do I manage things as a leader? Do, do you do it this way as a leader when you're managing a team like this? How do you give feedback? So it's been really incredible. I, I think that a year ago, I would have probably spoken about the bosses I've had in the past. And sure. now sitting here after the last year, I'm going to, I would say it's, it's my peer group. It's a support network. It's your own, you know, I've heard people call it your own personal board of advisors mm-hmm. who most influence who I am today as a leader and who I believe will be um, the people that I rely on for years to come. I absolutely agree. If I were to even think about who I would even talk about a year ago, I probably would have been, yeah, managers, bosses, people that have helped me along the way, giving me tips. And, and certainly they have a place in your own history, right? But I do think as we are in such a cultural awakening right now, being able to be with people who look like you, thanks to, thanks to people like Elliot Lum, Bill Amata, who have brought yeah. people that look like me and you in our industry together, yeah. you do find a sense of camaraderie. You do find a sense of feedback when you need it the most. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you all think? Or, Hey, this is how I'm feeling right now at work. Am I alone? I'm not alone. Fantastic. And, you know, and and I think that's been, I look at some of those email threads that we've had. And in the beginning of the year, a lot of that was support. It wasn't sharing work. It wasn't sharing, hey, I'm winning this award That's or, right. hey, meet me at Cannes. You know, it's more like, hey, we're all hurting right now. We are hurting in a tremendous way. And we also have to be leaders in our own organizations because of the titles that we hold. We still have to do our jobs. And to know that you're not the only one struggling with that, to know yeah. that there's, at least for me, to know that there's you there's Deborah Ye, there's uh, Sunmi Kim, Marvin Chow. Would you know that there are other people in roles similar to mine that I can look at and say, okay, tell me how you're getting through this day, doing your job, being creative. And on the other side, opening up social media and seeing, oh, like we are still under attack. I would easily say now, and probably for the foreseeable future, it is our peer group that we fortuitously have been brought together to to help further us along and to help provide support. If I were to look at what happens in the future, obviously we have our support group. Obviously we're making inroads. When you look at, and when you get asked by people, younger folks, entry-level folks, people just starting their career, how do they follow in your footsteps? What do you tell them is critical for their success moving forward, either in the life experience and skill, what you've learned in your career, the work that you've done, and how do you, what do you tell them to say, being a CMO is fantastic. This is what I love about it. I'm the happiest I've been in my career, but what are the critical elements that you tell them to find success moving forward? If you're always making decisions with, with respect to your career to find success, you're probably going to be disappointed quite a lot of the time because many of us who have a few years under our belt know that sometimes there's success and sometimes there's failure. And the thing that you're looking for is the learning. And you can learn just as much, frankly, if not more from your mistakes as you can from the times that you've succeeded. And so having a growth mindset, it might, it's funny because like my kids learn this at school, like they learn about like the growth mindset. How can I yep. not take, not let failure bring me down? You know, this is a parent, yeah, yeah. but, but it's all about the experience and sometimes the mistakes and sometimes mm-hmm. the failures to grow as a leader and as an individual. And I think that the thing with marketing in particular is that taking a few risks and being a little bit brave 
is also part inherently part of the job description. And so you're probably going to um, fall on your face more than a few times in the course of your career. I had a manager who used to say, I, I'd rather fall on my face than fall on my ass. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> at least there's forward momentum, right? Yeah, exactly. Taking this mindset of learn, test things, tinker a little bit with your career and with your work, learn from the mistakes and the failures to continue to grow and, and figure out what plan your next move based on that. But don't let it get you down because it's not about the mistakes. It's about the growth. It 100% is about the growth. And I wish I would have known you in 2019 when I was exited from my first CMO role, because that's what I thought. It's like, oh man, I've been wanting this for so long and I get it. I do it. And now I'm out of a job. And did I fail? Potentially. Did I make a mistake? No. But like you, I had to talk to a lot of people to understand that there's so many learnings that come from that. So many learnings that come from the feeling of failure, at least of what didn't I know and and what didn't I learn. And so I, I totally agree with you. I've learned way more from my failures and from my mistakes than I have from winning. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. But I will say though, especially when I look at your work and what you've done to date, using TikTok as like a brand building tool, using different mechanisms that, to be honest with you, most traditional CMOs probably wouldn't adopt. There's a level of breaking the rules that I find you hold really, really well. I look at, again, our peer group, I look at some of the other CMOs in our industry. Yes, you're going to have your out of home. You're going to have your TV spots. You're going to have your pretty standard media buys. But when I look at what you've done with EOS to date, and I look at growth mentality that you carry, I do feel as if there is a, a push to break the rules, or at least to challenge the rules, which I love. And so I'd love to hear from you. What rules have you broken that you've been most proud of? <laughs> I appreciate the, the shout out to the work that I think that a, a big part of the appetite for risk and the level of risk taking that, that I and the, and the whole marketing team at EOS have to do is largely because of the brand and who the brand is. So it's a brand that is, has a very mm-hmm. strong younger consumer. And so we, we can't play it safe because yeah, we have exactly. a consumer that's like evolving, that's adopting all sorts of new platforms and technologies. And so we have to move as fast as our consumer. And one of the, one of the lessons that I, I have always held kind of like near and dear to my heart is that you have to, you have to understand your consumer, like you're one of them. Right. And I'm clearly not like a sick 16 year old girl. So I have to like sometimes pretend I'm a 16 year old girl and like live the life, you know, and I joke about this, but it's true. I was on TikTok in like 2019, early days myself, because I was like, what? I just want to understand this platform. Sure, yeah. And I was a, personally as a not 16 year old, like so addicted to it. I was like, this is, this is amazing. We have to do something on this, which is why we launched our first big campaign on TikTok in September of 2019. We had a lot of like firsts as a brand mm-hmm. being on TikTok. And then you learn and it could have been a failure. You, you never know. And this is part of the appetite for risk is that sometimes things work and sometimes things don't. And in this case, when things do work, you do have to pivot and you have to not just take it as that was one campaign. Now let me continue to do for the rest of 2019, what exactly what I was planning to do. No, instead you go, that really worked. Now I'm going to reshuffle like the campaign, the budget, the, the initiatives in order to be able to fuel more of something that's really working for our brand. So to some extent, the rules and the structure 
when you're operating at the speed at which your consumer is operating, and in our case, it's very, very rapid pace, mm-hmm. um, they can become a bit of a hindrance, right? Because if you follow the path that you would lay down for yourself, yeah, things would be a lot more calm mm-hmm. for you, Sure, but you would miss opportunities. One recent example, which I think maybe falls in line with the, the sort of breaking of the rules is we had a totally viral user-generated TikTok of an influencer who was talking about using our shave cream. And she was talking about it, using our shave cream to shave her, she calls them her female parts in her unbelievable, charismatic, funny, and down-to-earth way, basically in this TikTok video, gave an entire tutorial on what she calls how to bless your effing cooch, which is, those are her words, but we're like, you know what? What brand is going to actually lean into this, right? She says cooch and hoo-ha are like her, her terms that she's using like over and over again. But the thing is, is like the reason people love it is because it's so authentic and it's so, so real. real. And it's, it's, it's so, so real. real. And it's yeah. talking about something that nobody talks about. I, I read all the comments on anything that, that, that either we post or that's posted about us, because I think like the magic happens in the comments. Like you have to like dive into the conversation to see what people are saying. Sure. And the biggest thing that like really struck, struck me, it wasn't haha. It's so funny that you're dropping F-bombs. No, it was, oh my God, this is really helpful information. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah. And so we, we leaned into it and you could say that was sort that. of like rule break because we're kind of breaking all the rules of maybe decorum <laughs> as well as what you do with your product because most people won't touch their product but we we created a limited edition line of products for this influencer as well as a bunch of other influencers cool. as well as yeah. some of our followers that instead of saying eos shave cream it says eos bless your effing cooch and literally we took her words which were hilarious and very clear in in terms of instructions we replaced it all the language on the product and we made it available and so that's breaking the rules but it really was an incredible moment for us as a brand and because it took what had been a great viral video and it just kept the campaign just kept going because now we we got additional views and additional bump and we're part of the conversation for even longer so that it, what could have been like come and gone within a week now lasted weeks and weeks. So it, it was, it was a huge success, but it, it takes, you know, a little like leaning into that sort of um, sure. leaning into the discomfort a little bit and breaking some rules in order to get to that success. Well, I, th- I think what, what made that campaign so successful, but also so real is that you speak in the language of the community That's right. and you place yourself in the realm of the consumer themselves. Most of the products in your category probably use very clinical terms, right? Or very broad based, like not applicable to what you're actually going to use it for. And so what you did was just taking one step further and say, this is how my community uses it. We're just going to let them help us guide the product forward. I think it's a very 21st century thing to do. I try to always look at what catalyzed this. I think there's a level that your team is fantastic. Absolutely. I think you're brilliant. But one of the things of why I think it did so well was because you gave it a green light, but it wasn't just because you thought it was the right thing to do or felt that it was the right thing to do. It was because you yourself are extremely active on social. And when you are, you're very, very active on social, like you are, you understand the jargon, the, the colloquialisms, the way that the community moves and the speed at which, so then you can spot an opportunity say, yeah, this is it. This is a good one. This is, this doesn't seem out of place or out of context. And this is why we're going to go forward with it. I can tell you that that's a very, very special quality in a CMO. When, when the CMO themselves are very active on digital and social, which 
rightfully so. We're in a digital world. Mm-hmm. You start to understand how all the other touch points play together. And you also understand how more, how much more community focused you should be versus right. if you were only, if you never touched your phone or if you didn't know how to use your phone or, or you didn't know how to do any of that stuff and all you did was watch TV, of course, you're only going to do TV spots. <laughs> of course, that's going to be the only thing you're going to do. So I will say what also made that work phenomenal is you yourself are phenomenal in social media. That well, I, thanks. I, I truly, I mean this when I say I spent 15 years working in retail and literally in stores every week at retail because you have to be where your consumer is, right? Yes. So if my consumer is experiencing my my product, my brand, the service, the experience in a store, then I need to be in the stores because that's where all the magic is happening. And sure. so for me now working on a, a brand that has a, a young audience who, you know, social media and living in like the social and digital world is sort of like how they spend all their time. I need to live where my consumer lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I were working in a totally different brand, I would need to figure out where does my consumer live on at this other brand that may, maybe wouldn't be TikTok. Maybe it would be something else. But at the end of the day, it's really about truly understanding your consumer, like the way you, the, the way you understand yourself, the way you understand your closest friends in your inner circle so that you can anticipate where, what are they talking about? What are they, what are they going to be receptive to? I even, uh, my, my area of responsibility also covers product innovation. So I actually literally have to create product for the consumer and, and what better place to hear about what they like and what they don't like and what they wish they had than totally. in social for our consumer. Yeah. And I, and I think to be able to be connected to a community like that, to be such a community driven brand, you're building it with them. The reality is when you, the consumer, feel as if you're a part of the creation process of a brand, whether that be making your own custom shoes online or whether that be helping make the next product for EOS, you yourself develop a lot more love, loyalty, because you're helping choose what's next. But also, you also develop a lot of forgiveness because if you ever make any missteps, they're like, oh, it happens, right? I make mistakes all the time. And so I, I do think that that's such a, a strong tactic as we continue to move forward towards more community-driven brands. And I think yours is certainly leading that. I also think this too, it's you're only as good as your teams. And when your teams see that one, you're prolific on social media, you're leaning into the conversation, you're obviously attracting a ton of talent to say, well, that's the brand I want to go work for. I don't want to go work for the stodgy brand that's been around for a hundred years, not innovating. I want to work for the, the challenger. I want to work for the, for the brand breaking rules. What are the biggest tips that you can give to aspiring CMOs and aspiring leaders to, to how you build the most diverse and inclusive teams to have a culture like this, where you're always hitting viral moments, where you're always testing things, where you're always trying to kind of learn from your failures? Well, I I do think there's a certain amount of opt-in as well, because I think that the people who are attracted to a brand like ours, they are the people who are seeing it from the outside and can envision being part of this wonderful team that's doing what we're doing in the world of like social media or product or creative or all of the different areas that we, that we house within marketing. I think that the, the, the best thing though, honestly, in a team that is moving relatively fast is that you really do have to have a certain level of cutting through the BS because I think that for, if, if you're going to be very precious about the brand storytelling being like perfect a certain way, then honestly, social media is not for you because the, the, the social media, 
Social media is a community. Social media no, it's is, true. it's a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's people telling you things as a brand, as much as you're telling them things. And if you're uncomfortable with that, then you're not going to, you know, really be able to like harness like the full power of social media at, as a marketing and branding platform. Part of that then means that you have to have a team that is as fast, as nimble, as agile, as into social media, if not more, frankly, as you are, we have that at EOS. And I think that it's a huge part of what we're able to do. So they're picking up things like the viral TikTok moments. They're picking up things like trends that are emerging and then they're creating like their own content and just putting it out there on behalf of EOS. And you have to have that that trust and the implicit decentralized authority around telling the brand story across your entire team if you're going to be a truly social first brand. You have to be able to cut through the BS and move at a speed that allows you to capitalize on the moment or else you come out two days later after a moment's happened and just just feels off. It just mm-hmm. We've seen it happen to a ton of brands before and it just feels off. But to be able to move at that type of speed, you don't just need freedom to do that but you need an understanding across your peers in the organization to understand why you're doing this, what, why it's good. When you look at the relationship between the CMO and the CEO, obviously the CFO or the, or the general counsel, what does that partnership look like? And how do you partner you know, with, with those peers across the organization? I think that's a really important question for marketers in general, because I do think that anytime you are part of marketing, there, there's, there is art and science, as we talked about. It's like one of the things I love the most. The fact that there's a certain portion of what um, I do and what my team does that is an art, there has to be trust within the company that you are doing right by the business and, and by the total organization. I really believe that marketers should be, especially when you reach a certain level in your career, you really have to be an all-around athlete. You can't just rely on, I'm the person who used to have crazy creative ideas. You do have to be thinking holistically about the total business. It doesn't mean that everything that you do needs to be necessarily quantifiable to to an ROI, because frankly, many things that many decisions that as leaders, no matter what the, whether you're the CMO or the CEO or the CFO, there are a lot of the decisions that you take all the time that aren't necessarily black and white and and right or wrong. But as a marketer in particular, I think you have to understand and be a partner to the other members of the C-suite. So you really need to understand you, you need to have financial fluency. You need to have commercial fluency. You need to be a champion for, for people and talent and organization. You need to follow the rules with, with legal for sure. <laughs> but overall, I think marketers who are truly successful, the ones who I admire the most, it's because they're truly thinking holistically and being a partner to all of the other members of the C-suite and being a part of number one, you are a leader in the business and number two, you're the CMO. And if you think about it that way, I think that you um, can have a lot of longevity in your career and establishes really great relationships um, with the other members of the C-suite. When I was in the CMO role, that's one thing that I didn't have a lot of fluency in. And I was, I was coming from a very creative organization in which I thought, cool, I could just be, I'm just going to do great brand marketing. But one of the things I found is no, I, I needed better PL fluency. How do I look at the P like, how do I have better PL management skills? I look at, how do I look at the entire holistic business, yeah. including any ancillary functions, supply chain, et cetera, to make 
to help right. make them stronger as well. I do think you bring up that I, I would say of all the things I've learned since this is my first stint as a CMO, that's one of the biggest things that you just said is how do you seek to partner, but also strengthen uh, the other organizations. That is something that it's frankly imperative for you yeah. to develop in your team. The more as a leader, you are helping to develop and coach and train the next generation of marketers to be the all-around athlete, to be a business leader, in addition to being a brand leader, the more you're setting your team up for success as well. That's absolutely true as well. It's how do you not just learn this for yourself, but obviously learn that and, and pass that on mm-hmm. so that other people can be more well-rounded athletes for sure. You know, your place in the industry, how you're leading, not just for us as a marketing and advertising industry proudly, but also us as a subsection of Asian Americans in the marketing and advertising industry. Obviously, we're in a very tumultuous time with the violence happening in our community. But if you look at the optimism that I get the sense of, of the work that you're putting out there in the world, but also the optimism that you're putting into your team, what are you looking forward to over the next Mm -hmm. few years? What are you hopeful for? And what do you hope to achieve? There are many things that I hope to achieve in terms of the business and the brand. And we have just ambitious objectives about what we want to do, what I want to do as a leader within EOS. If I kind of zoom out and, and, and take a broader lens, I'm optimistic and hopeful. If you think about the amount of change that's happened in our industry and in the business world in the last year, because frankly, communities forced the change. Yep. Think about where we're going to be a few years from now. I, I, I truly believe that while it's incredibly painful to live through the difficulties that we're all personally living with, I'm still afraid when I walk out outside on the streets of Brooklyn, where I live, I want to, to be part of the change that needs to happen so that people feel safe again. But then also think about like, you know, as we as we build and we, we make that change happen, how we can also build towards a future that is also more diverse and equitable and inclusive within corporate America. Because yes. I think that the, a lot of the, the work that, that um, you and other leaders have been doing, it's there have been some parts of it that have been really about safety and just in the broader like API community and just living your life in a safe and decent way. And then there are other pieces that other work streams I know that that have been happening that are also about like getting members of our community into those leadership positions, which our community also happens to be a community where you, there are many, we're overrepresented at the entry levels. And then the further up the ladder you go, actually that the drop-off is quite astounding. So that mm-hmm. at the C-suite, we're actually C-suite and in the board level, we're actually underrepresented. When you look at the change that's ha- happened over the past year, how much further can we push that to get to a place where the country and then the corporate America within this country are truly the representation of the people who live within this country. I find that that's, that's something to look forward to. And it's something that's worth the work that you and I are putting in as our night job and our weekend job to help make that change happen. And I think there's a lot to look forward to. You mentioned something very as a salient point. Our community, specifically the Asian American community, we represent a tremendous amount of the workforce, but very rarely do we represent the leadership levels. And I do think as, to be honest with you, the numbers suggest this, that if you're an Asian American woman, those numbers get even more slim. Yes, and right. so what I'm most optimistic for is obviously seeing you rise, making sure that you have the support and that 
you help. The biggest thing is you help inspire the next generation of marketers from all walks of life to say that's possible because many times you come into an organization and you don't see yourself at the top. But I hope with an episode like this, I hope with the work that you're doing and your team's doing and putting out that you can inspire more people to, to challenge it. But also biggest thing, inspire more people to take your path. Because again, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be an attorney. You don't have to be all the things that you, at least your parents want you to be. You could easily be just as successful and just as impactful doing what you're doing so young. That's what I'm most optimistic for is, is for people like, for kids like my daughter to see people like you thrive and succeed to say, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Oh, thank you, Eric. All right. Last question. Last question. This, this one, I'm sure you know was coming. They ask this all the time. If time and money were no object and you weren't a CMO, what would you be and what would you do and why? Can I add one more? So it's not just time and money, but talent. If, if time, money, and talent were no object, sure. I would actually have been an architect because I, I just, okay. I love, I love it. I love the profession. I love being a, um, an observer of beautiful architectural design. I happen to have many friends who, who stuck with that path. And I admire like the work that they're putting out there in the world. I, I think I would have followed that path. Maybe I may have been an architect or perhaps I would have been like a professor of architecture because I've oh, always okay. also loved like school in that respect. I'm sort of like stereotypically Asian. I've been sort <laughs> of like a, a teacher's pet school nerd for my entire life. So I would have I loved love nothing it. more than to be part of a campus community for the rest of my life. I love that so, so much. You'd be an architect, but, but a professor, I could see that actually, to be honest with you, I could see that you have, you have a, there's a vibe, there's a vibe to it, you know, it's the so. glasses, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's the glasses. <laughs> um, well, so young, you know, I, I do appreciate you hopping on, you know, the, the phone with me having this conversation. It's going to help a lot of people. I just want you to know that. And I do think your voice is so important in our industry, in our community, and I look forward to seeing all the amazing work that you're going to do into the future. Same here. Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.